0: So, later on hmm. in the show, I'm going to talk about um, the different views of hell. Oh, yeah. Know, different ideas about hell. Okay, great. Yeah. And I think there are four.
1: Oh, four. All oh, right. I... Yeah, I yeah. the three yeah. classic, but yeah, go on. Uh, well, there's um,
0: Eternal Conscious Torment.
1: Yeah. Always a favourite of mine.
0: Yeah. There's Annihilation. Yeah. Uh, there's Universalism. Yes. And then there's a visit to Ikea on Saturday night. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is bends the rules of you know time, space, and all those things, and uh, oh, yeah. you're stuck in a labyrinth, and you can't ever get out. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it's quite well designed. <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 238 of the Midfaith Crisis podcast. My name is uh, Nick Page, and there... Well, I can't quite see him, actually, because I've got the mic in the way, and I'm trying to work around an ironing board here that I've got everything <laughs>
1: on. <laughs> We're nothing they're, if not professional.
0: Do you, do you think the BBC use a lot of ironing boards? I would imagine important? so. Um, Doesn't everyone? <laughs> yeah. I just remember the the house martins i think it was you know the band I um when they first got a recording contract they i remember reading with them they said they were very pleased because uh they could buy a new ironing board because they they, they had their keyboard on an ironing board and they, <laughs> they thought that was a good stand and they, excellent and the guy said um can you afford something better he said no no we like the ironing board anyway um so uh, yes I was, anyway i was going to introduce you back then yeah, so that's right. joe davis over
1: there oh so yes, um, oh it is on the screen <laughs>
2: mm
1: hi everyone <laughs> it's good to be back so so listen we better finish this off how are you and tell us about ikea
0: <laughs> oh yeah okay well i mean uh i'm all right i mean had a busy old week or strange old week had a bit of a hospital run oh, with dear. my um, parents which was uh not uh, not not pleasant for them but uh. um that's okay now i think
1: yeah when well, i've seen your driving it would have been scary for them <laughs>
0: Well I I was bringing them back. The oh, Okay. The ambulance people took them.
1: Oh okay. Fair
0: um enough. I mean I'm assuming they wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of pick up and just go we're taking you whether you like it or not. Anyway, uh yeah, they're 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 doing alright now okay. so that's good. Um and then uh you've yeah, been out to been out to some nice pubs and have drank you? some nice beer and that's nice. Is this when you yeah. should have
1: been working or on your free time?
0: Uh, in my free time although I have to admit it did it did clash with another event that was on uh, last night so uh, we'll talk about that
1: you went out drinking instead (laughs) oh (laughs) honestly well
0: I had a choice I could join you and listen to you and Dave talk for 90 minutes about hell
1: what could be better
0: or I could go and drink beer.
1: Yeah, OK. I, I, I mean, not I, much of a choice, really, is it? Not really, no. <laughs> I no. always know what would win in that situation for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's been good. Yeah, and did go to Ikea at the weekend. Now, I hadn't been to Ikea for a long time. No, I haven't. Um, and uh, the funny thing about Ikea is, A... It seems to be like TARDIS. Mm. You know, on the inside, you walk for miles. Yes. And, yeah, it's not that big. You know, it's big, but, <laughs> yeah. You know, so I don't understand what they've done to the laws of physics. and And B, you come out with lots of stuff. Virtually none of which is what you
1: went in to get,
0: which I find very interesting.
2: (laughs) Really,
1: they have tempting little knickknacks, don't they? Do you buy candles and stuff Uh, like that on the way round? And
0: yeah, you you end up buying, you end up buying um, sort of, you know, there's a nice, uh, there's a nice pillowcase. We didn't need a pillowcase, but we seem to have got a pillowcase, you know, or (laughs)
1: or a bag of five thousand tea lights. To be fair,
0: yes, yeah, (laughs) that's right. You come out with endless candles and, and artificial plants and things like that. That you didn't go in for. Uh yeah, so that was quite it was quite interesting and quite taxing in, in many respects. But uh there we are. There we are. It's it's certainly better than some of the old home stores that we used to go into and buy rubbish stuff. But there you go.
1: Mm um how about how about you how are you yeah all is good i had a lovely weekend with the kids down in bristol bristol's a lovely city isn't it Mm. hey and i tried to contact my goddaughter but she was in london that weekend just so Oh, that's
0: nice of you yeah Yeah,
1: well yeah because we went to the wildlife photographer of the year exhibition that was also there uh fantastic um yeah it's a good time of year uh bluebells coming out now which is always exciting if you're me and, uh, yeah, we did a zoom. Uh, I was hoping for a few more friends of mine might have might have shown up, you know, just to show a bit of loyalty a bit kind of... but you know that they were probably doing something important, like going for a drink down the pub.
0: yes, it was quite important um, <laughs> yeah, um. whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah you so you did staying defiantly uh we did last night, and um. We're going to talk a bit about that, I think. That would be quite a good thing to, to to pick up on. Yeah, sure. Why don't you set the scene for us? Tell us about Staying Defiantly for a start. Because it's a series okay. now, isn't it? I mean, now. You've done two. Well, you see, that's it now. You've established a brand now, and <laughs> yeah. you've got a series
1: going. <laughs> Who knows where it will go. We're just starting this. We, we nicked the title... Uh, unashamedly from Brian McLaren's last book, who who was basically... The book is called, you know, Should I Stay Christian or something? And, you know, the first part of the book is no, because here's the hideous things the church have done. And then the next bit of the book is yes. And then the last bit of the book is how... And uh, there's a chapter called Staying Defiantly and that sort of resonated with a few of us that actually we don't want to leave and actually, you know, we're still a part of the church and we want to be a part of the church but we don't like everything the church stands for. And if I was to be even more presumptuous and arrogant I'd say that there needs to be a new a new rethink, I guess at what Christianity really is, I suppose, and where it's going and, and perhaps, you know, a, re, a, a re-understanding of what the gospel actually is. Um, And we probably need a new kind of church. And obviously, the right person to do that is me with all my expertise that I bring to that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, imposter syndrome has never been so acute. But you just think, well, if I'm asking these questions, surely others are. Mm. And it's just gathering people to start talking through these. And one of the, you know, the very difficult thing about taking a subject each time is that you, you know, when you look at one foundation, you, you know, that whole stack of cards come down. Invariably, you want to talk about a whole load of other things that this touches on. So we are sort of piecemeal going through things in the hope that over time, a new theology will emerge for people that holds together. Because at the moment you think, I'm not sure I can really question anything, because this is the long-standing traditional view. Or we think it's an orthodox view, but as you very helpfully pointed out you know uh, when we talked about hell on the podcast you know there there have always been three orthodox views actually on on hell mm. so so anyone who tells you this is the only orthodox view is 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 mistaken really so we wanted to to pull that apart and, and and particularly also look at what this means for mission because if we're not here to save people from eternal damnation and hell and eternal separation from god then what is the role of the church what what are we actually doing here mm. um so you know the hell thing knocks on to all these other issues and so we set it out and i should say to everyone if you want to watch the whole thing it will be on our facebook page the uh, the midfaith crisis facebook page you're very welcome to go and and, and look at it because it was set up as a Q&A evening so you know I originally I thought oh Dave can talk for half an hour and then we're split into groups and then we'll do it but in the end Dave took five minutes and said look let's just find out what the questions are and then and then the evening became a Q&A evening so so in a moment we'll listen to just just five minutes from last night this is sort of Dave explaining why he called himself a Christian universalist but it would be helpful to re- to recount um something you've done before very helpfully, since you couldn't be bothered to turn up last night and do it. <laughs> yeah. Um may maybe it would be nice if you uh, could outline the sort of three what have been three fairly orthodox views of hell. Uh, again, just to just to recap and then and then Dave can explain why he goes with his view.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, so I mean there are there's a few things to say. I mean, one is as you say, that officially there's no real as I understand it, there's no real orthodox doctrine of hell you know there is a there is a widely accepted one there's one that's been sort of was widely accepted from really augustine's time onwards as the the view but i i don't think it was ever uh, formalized it's not in the creed or anything like that so th- there's sort of three and a half in a way so the the first view is um eternal conscious torment and this was the one that, that kind of held sway through medieval times. Yeah. That, um, and it, it does have a kind of root in Augustine, but in other people as well. And, it, and in certain scriptural passages, this is the idea that you, you've got a straight choice. You make the choice in life. If you don't make the choice to follow Jesus in life, you will then be eternally punished for your sin mm. forever. And, you'll be, and it will and be a horrible punishment. It's burning. It's, you know, it's all the burning lakes and the, and the kind of thing a sort of more recent subset of that is eternal damnation but it's really just a bit boring mm. in other words christians try to take the sort of torment out and and they say that actually what hell is is an eternal um what's the word distancing from god or or you know yeah. eternal eternal um basically sort of eternal banishment from god okay from yeah, fa- yeah from heaven yeah you know, in other words, they're, they're, you're not really being tortured. There's no devils with sort of, you know, toasting forks, um, uh, prodding at you, and and you're not being roasted on a spit like some in, in some of those very entertaining medieval do doom paintings but that you are you've made your decision in life you've got to live with it eternally it's an eternal conscious punishment of some kind yeah, basically sure we come at, later on we'll talk about the problems with these different views that's that's one view eternal conscious torment second view is annihilation yeah that's the idea that yes you make your choice in life you either uh, are saved by jesus or you have rejected jesus and then you you are probably then in hell for a bit Mm. Until the final judgment, and then there's annihilation. You'll just be hell will be destroyed. You'll be annihilated. Yeah. Um. And and so that's kind of eternal conscious torment, but without the eternal bit. Mm. So there's a bit of torment, and then there's annihilation. That's that's that one. And then the third view, and this is not a modern view. This is the point. It's a, it mm. it's um, found in in works from like the third century, from Origin and people like that. Mm. Um, it's found in a great many uh, Christian thinkers, actually, um, who are otherwise accepted as as, as perfectly uh, orthodox. Um, people mm. like Gregory of Nyssa and other other people, and that's universalism, and that's the idea that eventually everyone will get saved because God doesn't want anyone to be lost. Yeah, and uh, love wins in in the end. Yeah, and that God will continue, continue uh to uh as it were sort of present himself to people to give people the opportunity to repent even after death onwards and onwards and onwards mm. and i i ought to say the thing about universalism is people think that it does away with hell it doesn't actually do away with hell it just says that hell is not the end yeah you know it's, in other words it says that you might end up in a place that is fairly hellish yeah but that you will always have the opportunity to to go to to repent because god doesn't want to lose anyone uh, and again, that's uh, has some biblical basis, yeah. and we'll put some stuff in the show notes and talk in a bit about where you might find resources about that. But those are the three, three three and a half basic views of hell. Eternal conscious torment or eternal conscious um, mm. banishment. Mm. Limited torment followed by annihilation or universalism. And so Dave is now, in this clip, going to explain why he is a Christian universalist.
1: Yeah.
2: Just really to to give you something to start with I don't really know where to start to be honest mm. but I I think I would probably if I had to label myself these days I think I would probably label myself as a Christian universalist um and both of those statements mm. uh, have controversy I realize um but starting with the universalist one mm. you know I, I, and this is deliberately to sort of to to kind of provoke some questions rather than give all the answers here but I'm a universalist because I believe that the gospel, the good news, the whole project actually is about words like redemption and reconciliation, mm-hmm. um, restoration, all beginning with our yeah, my three-point sermon today. Okay. Um, but of what? And the Bible seems to be of the whole project, you know, the mm-hmm. redemption uh arc is of the whole project, in fact, the whole cosmos. Oh, yeah. The reconciliation of all same. things. Right. Um that it feels very different from the exclusivist position of some people get saved for this and some people get punished for that. Obviously, there's more I could say about that, but I'm fundamentally come to the position of being universalist. There's various points where I sort of think, I wonder where where I could change personally from my position. One of the things I can't change is the belief that there is an eternal conscious uh, punishment and pain and suffering for the people who, haven't prayed a prayer of commitment or mm. or who don't love, yeah. love Jesus. Um, yeah. So that that f- was almost like a theological threshold that once I went yeah. over that I never could go back again. A- and m- maybe nobody on this Zoom believes that. But to just quickly explain why I'm not I don't yeah. believe in eternal torment is yeah. is this is my sort of logic plus I think that we could talk about scripture. First of all it's an admission that all sin and suffering isn't dealt with by Christ's death on the cross. It it, it failed as a project. Mm. If some people are suffering mm. for eternity, then the redemption project yeah. hasn't. So does so that? Work. The yeah. second thing is, if it's an actual place, and it has to be sustained, and the Bible tells us that all the uh, principalities and powers and Satan are defeated. So evil at some point is wiped out. But hell is eternal. Then who? Who's, who's running the Who's joint. running the joint? And <laughs> so and and so. I like the logic. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can only be the power. Some, somewhere, yeah. the presence of God, yeah. the power of God, yeah. uh, is sustaining hell eternally. There's also a pragmatism that as we sort of worship God in, in eternity in in heaven, for instance, yeah, y- he has to disappear every now and again, <laughs> or, or yeah. like you know, he's he's not to <laughs> pulley because he's also got one eye on all the people that are being roasted in. In hell um, and then the third, maybe slightly more oblique point, but I think is important for me, there's something about the oneness of the, yeah. the universe, of the cosmos, yeah. that we're all interconnected. Um, that seems to be again a biblical theme that we can find in mm. different different ways. Obviously, other faiths are, are much stronger at the kind of oneness of things, mm. but it's something that I've more and more as a probably somebody who also would describe myself as a panentheist. Mm. Who's seeing God in all things, particularly in in the created world, mm. um, heaven and hell? The the end time rips that apart, where there's no longer the unity of all that God's created. Yeah, that uh, that separating out mm. into two camps rips apart what was once united yeah. uh, in the story that we read about in Eden and hasn't been fully redeemed. Comes back yeah, to the first yeah. point again. Yeah, so so that's that's why I moved away from believing in eternal sort of tormenting sort of hell. Okay. So towards a universalism, but and maybe just as controversial as for some people listening here, maybe for you, I'd be interested to know what you think, I'm still a Christian universalist because my universal hope is in the death and resurrection of Christ. But I think that was, in ways that I don't fully understand, in ways that are mysterious, Mm -hmm. I think, to anybody who claims otherwise, that, that was, there was something in that event that brought about the universal salvation okay. of, of God. So there are two things for you to throw questions about. One, one about universalism as a way of living and being and yeah. believing and trusting. One is a trust that this is a Christian, orthodox position okay. that people have held um, through the years and is made possible by Christ.
0: So that was a clip from uh, last night, uh, Dave talking about his, his some of the reasons uh, why he's a universalist. Mm. Before we go into that, let's go back on some of the problems, the issues mm. with the other views of hell. And and I suppose we should be fair and say mm. also some of the reasons why they're held. I mean, the primary reason why those other views are, are, are held is mainly scriptural. Yes, exactly. Because there is, seems to be a sort of wealth of scriptural support for that view. And there's lots of talks of, you know, outer darkness and gnashing of teeth, you know, all that kind of
1: stuff. Sure. There's Jesus using using his language like he does. But but really, we're again, we're taking things that perhaps aren't meant to be literal, literally and ending up tying ourselves up in knots. I mean, that's my view really uh, there. But um, yeah, you 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 can't just dismiss the Bible. You've got to say, what what's Jesus meaning when he talks about sheep and goats? What's he actually addressing there? What, what 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 does that mean mm. um so so i think you've got to be fair to it and you've got to do that and we got into some of that um that last night and again I'd encourage people to to go to the to go to uh, watch the thing if if they are interested in those things but also to read further to, to come to your own. I am I personally am very satisfied that we can take all those passages of jesus and yeah we. We can honor them without coming to a place where we're talking about eternal conscious torment mm. at all. So, th- the problems
0: with the two, um, with those two views, eternal conscious torment and annihilation, are, are primarily wants to do with the character of God.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, et- eternal conscious torment cannot, in any sense, be seen as a loving act. <laughs> no, it can't. Uh, and, and given that. The purpose of of sort of punishment, of any kind of punishment, any kind of justice system should be sort of rehabilitation and reparation. It shouldn't be sort of just uh, eternal punishment. This is, you know, Uh, there's what's the point of just punishing someone endlessly for if there's no chance for them to actually uh, get out of that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all those things. I mean, I can I can find verses to support my view. As a as a universalist, you know, I think I think the whole the whole message of God is redemption about all things coming together that all things are connected and God is bringing and redeeming all things together that in the end there be this glorious um, union I suppose uh, and all shall be redeemed you know everything under heaven and earth and does everything mean everything, but the trouble is you can proof text any view about anything I think now. And so that seemed to be the old way to it. Let's do an apologetic for hell. And, and you know, let's, let's select our verses that convince you that your verse is a problem. And Dave was quite good about pointing out, listen, if you're a ver- universalist, these are your problem verses. Mm. But, of course, if you are someone who believes in eternal conscious torment, then the, the verses that I use to support my view are your problem verses, you know, so it's like there's this back and forth. And I think eventually you have to say, well, we're going to have to approach the Bible a bit differently. And we're going to have to understand, you know, and these are my words, not Dave's. You know, the Old Testament is kind of Bronze Age writings that, you know, the New Testament is kind of um, Iron Age, you know, that and and, our, and we live in a totally different era. With a different cosmology and a different view, and some languages constant language changes from year to year, let alone 2000 years separating it. And so, you know, there's all sorts of ideas about what was Gehenna? Was it real? Was it, is, was it the rubbish dump? Was it a place outside that, you know? And, and so it's just figurative and all that sort of thing. But the chances are, if someone's listening to this in 2,000 years with no context time, and I hope they will be listening in 2,000 years to this podcast, because it's a very important podcast, <laughs> <laughs> they may say, oh, that, that amazing writer, Nick Page, said that hell... Is 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 IKEA on a Saturday night. And if let's say they don't understand IKEA and they don't know, they could take you very seriously on that point. Yes. Not missing the tone and iron so so when Jesus say this is hell and this is judgment and this is where it goes and this is it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean we've got to take all that. A bit like if Jesus tells you to you pluck your eyes out, if it causes you to sin, you don't necessarily have to pluck your eyes out, and people generally don't.
0: No, and wouldn't it be great? It'd be—I'd love to see sort of medieval wall paintings of hell as IKEA. That would be very interesting. You know, people wandering, wandering for for you know centuries lost. In soft furnishings, you know, (laughs) surrounded by sofas but nowhere to actually sit down. You can't actually do it. And then, you know, you go to the cafeteria and all there is is meatballs and they're all out of reach. Anyway, uh, no, that'd be good. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy.
1: And can I say to any artists listening, Nick's birthday is coming up and I'd like to buy him a picture of that. (laughs) So if you consider a commission.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so pictures, you know, become taken literally yeah. obviously uh we have to say still behind that there's some there's some difficulties i yes. i'll put a link on the website we'll put lots of links up we'll put the video up on the website and yeah. we'll put links to other things there are a couple of books that people might find really helpful i think it is yes um one is one is called four views of hell where four th- different theologians outline their different views okay and uh the, the fourth one is
1: purgatory somebody talking about purgatory. yes we we touched on that last night actually oh did you okay yeah well for the very reason someone was saying hang on if we ditch the idea of of hell and there is this universalism where is justice in that i mean Mm. i mean what about the people who have spent their life abusing others murdering others doing it's that classic thing Mm. you know they've said you know you know what about hitler and all Mm. that and so so the way what one lady very thoughtfully i must say Thought upon it is that the gnashing of teeth and those are not describing an eternal place, but what happens when you're confronted with the pain. Of your decision making. Yes. As if there is this kind of period where you, you know, a judgment period where you do come face to face with the consequences of your decisions through your life. And that 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 is hell in and of itself. But that doesn't mean that hell has the last word. And Dave sort of, I thought, quite thoughtfully said, you know, are you talking about purgatory? Really? Mm. Maybe, you know, maybe that's that's another view in. Yeah. Well, I
0: think so. And and this is again another sort of myth about universalism that they don't that universalists don't believe in people facing the consequences that anyone gets away with it. Mm. That's not actually what universalism no. is. Universalism is is exactly that you get confronted mm. with the truth and and that there is repentance. Um George MacDonald who was a universalist who I may have mentioned once or twice on on the podcast. He said that basically in the reformation um you know there were these three elements heaven, hell and purgatory. And and he said uh, they kept, uh, they got rid of the wrong one, so they they kicked out purgatory but kept hell. Yeah, Whereas yeah, he absolutely believe that. And his novels show sort of have fantasy kind of versions of people in some kind of state where they have to confront their true natures, their past, and everything they've done. And um, you know, so I, I i'm I'm. Pretty much coming around to that even though purgatory is a very late doctrine Uh, but nevertheless i think it has it it viewed like that rather than the medieval view of where you can buy vouchers for time off and all that kind of stuff that that's (laughs) nonsense yeah sure no but the idea is and and this is linked with justice is that at some point everybody must have a chance to see jesus truly Yeah, then there must be that moment and to respond to Jesus because many people die without ever having heard the name. Jesus.
1: yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So so there must be a point where people get to respond to Jesus truly. And part of responding to Jesus truly is always actually confronting our true natures as well. Mm. And looking back on what we've done, how we've acted um and and so you know that there's there's all part of that so the second book that i want to recommend yeah and there's also a talk uh and some articles and again i'll put lots of links up Is by a guy called robin parry and it's called the evangelical universalist
1: ah uh, yes yeah it's yeah. a
0: really good thorough examination of the biblical position for uh universalism from an evangelical point of view which was which is fascinating and he originally wrote it under a pseudonym of uh of gregory Macdonald, right and um and then once he because he was working for a fairly conservative publisher at the time and he didn't want to yeah to sort of compromise them as it were so uh yeah that's a brilliant book and that's 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 really good Mm. and
1: can i recommend a book as well you may by john sweeney inventing hell dante the bible and eternal torment it's really good there's a great treatment actually of the sheep and the goats in that where he he talks about how that how that passage almost line by line mirrors a teaching from plato and the myth of a very very interesting uh, recommend that yeah okay yeah
0: yes sort of the, certainly if you read dante i don't know if you ever read uh, no. the, the <laughs> divine
1: comedy have i no
0: oh it's great it's Is really it? good okay. dante's hell was hugely influential and that's the one with nine nine levels yes, and indeed. And, um, and, you know, abandon hope all you who enter here at the doorway. Mm. And, and you go down into Earth. And, and ev- everybody gets punished according to their crimes in this sort of symbolic way. And what's interesting about it is how many people get uh, punished in Dante's hell are people Dante doesn't like. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> remarkable coincidence. <laughs> people on the other side of the political spectrum from him seem <laughs> to end up rather badly. Um, yeah, so... So I think those are more helpful than us sort of waffling yeah. on. I'd like to I, I – we've also done podcasts on it in the past yeah. and I'll do links to that. But I, what, I, what I wanted to do was explore a little bit with you about why you feel this is so important and why you wanted to talk about it and some of the sort of questions and issues that, that people came up with last night.
1: Yeah, good.
0: Why Why did you put this on? Why is this such a big issue, Um
1: Uh, do you think? Because I think we've got to recover the theology of the kingdom of God. We talk about this back in our early episodes, I think. But we we need to really, I think, embrace all that Jesus had to say about a quality of life and what it was he was here to do, and therefore what his church is here to do. And Jesus in no way made it explicit. And Jesus could have done a much better job of it if the job is, for goodness sake, get out and save everyone from going to, to hell. And now evaluate all the things you're doing as a church on the basis of that. So I was actually in leadership meetings where we discussed whether we should still run a mums and todds group, which was doing an incredible work in the community. But the facts were no one was coming to faith and people weren't coming to church. And what's the point if you support a few mums, but ultimately they're going to hell? So that's the sort, I mean, I'm putting it in very black and white times, but that was an actual thing. So that is not kingdom. In the kingdom, you you don't have to do things for other motives. You do them because they're good. And that's a sign of God's goodness. And so you heal people. And you, 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 you and, and that can look like all sorts of things, not just physical healing, though many churches and, you, you know, hospitals often, you know, often started on a Christian basis. You, you care for people. You love people. You include people. Well, why do you do them? Because they're all signs of the kingdom of God that is justice uh, for all and fairness, um, you know, and all those things um, that covenant brings that, you know, is right there in the Abrahamic covenant right the way through so I think it really helps us rethink about now why are we here as a church and what and, and even what is the mission of God for me and we you know the, the my mission today was to do the next good thing that represented something of God's goodness to people that that's what it was I was I wasn't about converting people. I didn't wake up in the morning and think, how can I bring people to Jesus and talk about and and and, and twist as many conversations as I possibly can round to Jesus because they need to get saved so they don't go to hell. <laughs> and, and, and that did not enter my conscious thought. My 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 prayer in the morning, if you know, and it wasn't in the traditional sense of prayer, was you know, God, what are we doing together today? And how can I how can i do this honorably you know a friend needed a bit of support today and i hope i supported them and you know you know i i did a funeral and i hope i did that well and gave some hope and courage to to people who are facing difficulty and you know so it goes on mm.
0: i suppose it's partly to do with how you view salvation yeah because if you you know i'm a big fan of salvation if people say you don't you want people to be saved i want people to be saved mm. i just think salvation isn't just about not going to hell Mm. it's actually about not living in hell here and now
1: absolutely Um, we explored that last night yeah
0: right yeah because i think i think both heaven and hell are a sort of continuum of where we're at at the moment you know the kingdom of god exists here and now on on earth or you could be in a different kingdom entirely so i I think that you can you know that's a very sort of narrow view about salvation in in a way Mm. Um, i suppose it's not narrow if you think ultimately people's eternal damnation is at at stake then things become very important and i can quite see that but yeah but i think there is more to to life than just a sort of you know waiting room before before the before the after afterlife as it were
1: and the whole zacchaeus thing you know zacchaeus you know jesus salvation has come when in the future instead of going to hell no he says it's come today salvation is it salvation yes. has come to this house today and you know, no mention of hell there
0: no yeah. and and I mean, I think we should probably plot an episode where we talk about heaven as well, um, but you know you can mm. you can, as Saint Belinda Carlisle yes, saying, exactly.: um, ooh baby, I think she said, "Ooh, baby, that's heaven on earth. something <laughs> like that that's the king King James version of it. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> so you, both things can be here and here and now, really. Um, what kinds of questions did people sort of throw up um?
1: generally yeah i mean there were questions about god's eternal justice and how you reconcile justice with everyone being saved i mean i i think we're, we're uncomfortable with the idea that hitler's being saved and stuff like that so you know mm. th- th- those were sort of classic ones i think uh, people wanted to explore what was meant a bit by some of the words gehenna Sheol, all those sort of things you know to what extent are they and also we talked about how you have to sort of talk about the overarching arc of the Bible. Where is it going? And if, and if you think the overarching arc of the Bible is this, I suppose, supreme bringing together and happy ending of it all, then it doesn't feel very happy if, if some people won't be a part of it somehow and then we talked about the tension between but what if people absolutely refuse what if richard dawkins who has spent his whole life denying god comes face to face with god and then pride prohibits um prohibits someone i mean pride's a big sin perhaps the 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 number one sin i don't know should we grade them probably not but you you know if pride is such a big issue could someone actually refuse it And that's the difficulty of universalism, because you don't really make allowance for that, for people to choose to reject. Mm. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So uh,
0: or or it becomes impossible. And it's a a thing that's addressed in Robin's book. You know, if you are truly presented with 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 God in his in the reality of it, could anyone actually resist that? And if if no one could actually resist that. Do we actually have free will? Yes,
1: yeah. You know, that's if it really, becomes impossible
0: to, So it's it's not without its tricky questions, but um, the book uh, addresses that quite well. And I, I think you're right, Pride. I think it was Milton actually writing about hell. You know, in Paradise Lost, um, you know, put Pride at the root of, of everything. that's why I suppose I wouldn't be sort of fundamentalist, universalist in in, in saying it. I could see a point where uh, if people continue to refuse, if people perpetually, if they're never, ever going to change, Hmm. then then I would become a sort of annihilationist Hmm. at that point. Yes, yeah, exactly. um, Yeah,
1: yeah. I I sort of could see that. Yeah, it's a very logical thing to arrive at, isn't it? And, And I think the other thing, you know, Dave talked about, and we sort of referred back to it a few times, is you know, this kind of three, three-legged 3 stool. I'm sure there's a better analogy of, you know, the church rests upon three things. There's the Bible and, uh, and what it says. And so we have to look at the Bible and what the Bible says about hell. There is also the church tradition. You know, people through the ages have wrestled with these questions. And they've come out and, you know, we're, we're foolish to repeat, The same old mistakes. What have people historically said about this? How have they reconciled things? But the third one is experience. And we often don't trust that. But, you know, there comes a point where you, where I think in your own spiritual journey, you have some sort of experience with your own questioning. You know, where you go, you know, this is, this is ridiculous. This just, this does not make sense. You cannot believe in a God of love who is that cruel. So now what so now, what do we do? you know, so we're we're holding sort of in tension these three things, and now, how can you honor each of those three things really so we we came back to that you know, depending on the questions that were asked really
0: so the 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 other question, or the other thing that's often thrown yeah. there forward to uh, the universalist position is,
1: well, why
0: bother with evangelism? Yeah, you know, if everybody's going to be saved, yeah uh why why does this make any kind of difference? Because, I mean, why even, hold, if everyone's going to be saved, ultimately, why even hold a a, a Zoom call? Yes, on yeah, exactly, on exactly. In the first place. Why why bother? How would you respond to that?
1: Well, I think, again, it depends on your narrative of, of God. And I, I happen to think that God really loves us. And if God loves us, then this life that God has given to us matters. It's not just a, a sort of, you know oh we get 80 or 90 years on earth if you're lucky and then uh and then you pop your clogs and now the real action happens here for all eternity that I, I mean i i just don't think that's how it works i think this beautiful world that we're so privileged to be alive in at this moment in time uh there is work for us to do and it's it's about god's justice and god's kingdom and god's love and 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 you know we play a part in that you you, you know god has shared uh her creative genius with us so that we can co-create with her so i think let's just you know work in harmony with the divine really
0: Mm. i suppose it comes back to what we were talking about earlier with salvation in the sense that you know, the reason I've, you know, I'm a universalist, but I've yeah. not stopped talking to people about Jesus and saying to people that I think following Jesus is the best way of life and, uh, you know, doing a sort of apologetics of sorts, you know, all this kind of stuff. And the reason is because I think, I genuinely think it is the best way to live. I genuinely think wow. that it is, it is the kingdom of God. And because if you believe in a God of, of love and a God who 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 wants us to live in harmony um eternally then one minute of misery on earth is too much mm. for anyone oh. in a way nobody sh- should have that and yet somehow we live in a world where that that happens but you know there are there is a different way and it can start here and now so i i i, I really I, I i you know I, I, that's what i would say and that that again i suppose it it changes your view of what evangelism is. Mm. What are you trying to do with evangelism? Are you trying to save people's souls from eternal um, torment? Or are you in fact saying, here's the kingdom of God, it's available here and now, and life can be a whole lot better
1: uh, right now? And actually, you can demonstrate that kingdom to everyone by your kindness and patience with them. And, dare I say it, by your kindness and patience to yourself. While we're at it, you know that's that's a sign of the kingdom, man. And we've said, you know, this is why kindness touches me. Often reduces me to tears as I get old and soft, uh, watching Paddington and other great movies. You know, what is it about kindness? Why why is why do I have such a visceral response to kindness? I think because it resonates with the deepest part of who I am. That is telling me this is this is who God is. God is kind. God is patient so that so I am a person of mission I I have a mission in life I definitely believe that we are ambassadors of the kingdom you know to quote a bit of Paul that you, you know we're ambassadors of Christ on this earth that's a high calling isn't it that's a real privilege um this life matters and uh and and getting on board with the divine is wow it's amazing yeah
0: yeah great i think i think we respond to those kinds of things as we respond to beauty and all this kind of things. So because they are a foretaste of something they are a, a taste of what, how life should be and how we believe one day it will be mm. yeah great well look i will put the we'll put lots of links up we'll put um the the link to the youtube video or uh, on the the website, we'll put it, we'll embed it there. Uh, lots of ways to to think about it. So I'll pop some um, links to various articles and things up for people, and um, we'd be very interested to hear what you think. Yeah. Um. I think I think in a future episode, obviously we're we need to look at the flip side, yeah. and uh, we need to think about what we. Think about heaven. We've talked a lot yes, about doing this in the past, but we—I don't know if we've ever actually done it.
1: I don't know if we have. I think I've—I've I've indicated that I'm confused about heaven, so that's probably as far as we've got. So, I would very well, that'll much that will make a big change to normal, not <laughs> I, mean, it, I really? would very much appreciate you doing an episode on heaven. <laughs>
0: Well, I think I think we could look at the different theories again and yeah. say which one sort of resonates with. We mm. should say obviously all of this is so speculative in so many ways. Uh, you know that, that obviously we are we're doing a little bit of what we talked about last week about wish fulfillment and wouldn't it be lovely if this was mm. the case? And I fully accept that. Um, so you know you are dealing with a mystery here, but um, yeah, we'll we'll put lots of links in. In the meantime, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we're very grateful. Thanks to everyone who supports the show and. Thank you to everyone who came along last night. To, yes, indeed. To those, so, um,
1: staying defiantly. Thank you. Thanks for those that are staying defiantly. God bless you. Yes. And thank you everyone who wrote in. We have had some feedback. I'm sorry we haven't read them out, but thanks to those people. We will get round to it. I'm absolutely certain. Just like we get round to me talking about my reflections on preaching in Mexico. But sometime in the future. That's all.
0: Mm, yeah. <laughs> Be a sign of the end times when that happens. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah.
1: But in the meantime, may I encourage all of you, having listened to this podcast, to just go out and do something kind for someone. And, um, you know, and be kind to yourself as well while you're at it, because that in itself is a reflection of the kingdom of God.
0: God is love. God is just. And beer is good. I think that's (laughs) where I'm at at the moment.
1: Never a true word spoken.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see you next week. See you
1: next week. Bye.